You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety in for Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to preview all of Sunday's significant matchups, look at the Black Monday in the NFL, and provide your fantasy fix. Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Josh Alper from Pro Football Talk. Josh, thanks for taking the time. Let's start in New York. Giants have hired former Panthers GM Dave Gettleman, now looking for a new head coach. Do you think this new regime is going to bring Eli Manning back, or is that decision going to be made by ownership? Well, I, I, Dave Gettleman said today that he's, you know, he's moving forward with, with Eli Manning. Now that can obviously change. Uh, Eli Manning could say, you know what, I'm, I'm not interested. Uh, and, you know, the team, I, I think, whether Manning's back or not, I, I think they have to look long and hard at using uh, what looks like it'll be the number two overall pick on a, on a quarterback. So I, I think that there's some up in the air, but it does seem like they're willing to bring him back. He's got um, – you know, we got a contract that basically is year to year at this point. So, you know, you could bring him back and, and say he's the starter until the rookie's ready or, or if you want to, you know, if you think it's going to be a, a full year or whatever. Um, I'm a little bit surprised by that, if that's the way things play out. I, I think, and But it does stick with going to Dave Gettleman and, and not even waiting to talk to GM candidates that are currently employed by other teams. They They clearly – you know, the Giants love continuity. They they went that route with Gettleman. They they so that I think that fits that Eli Manning would be part of that as well. Josh Nick Ferguson here. We we know on Monday there are will be several coaches that will be fired, say given their their walking papers, but what are some of the or who should I say are some of uh, the hot coordinators that could fill those voids of those vacant seats? Well, I, you got the two guys in New England, Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia, and then McDaniels obviously has been a coach before. Uh, I think Jim Schwartz is a guy who seems seems pretty likely to get a second chance as a head coach. Uh, you know, he's the Eagles' defensive coordinator now. I, I think you can look at, you know, you look at, at some of the some of the successful teams around the league. I, I think everyone would love to find like the next Sean McVay this year. There, there isn't really anybody that that fits that bill as a, as a real hot, young rising, uh, you know, rising guy like that. Um, you know, so I, I, but I think, I think Josh McDaniels at some point, I, I just feels like has to, has to move before it just becomes, you know, he's, he's a guy who's just a coordinator and, and isn't a head coach. And, and I feel like with that, as many openings as, as there could be this year, it, 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 this would be the year where I, I would really see him as, as a guy who should get a ton of, uh, you know, a ton of attention and, and perhaps, you know, finally move on from new England again. Um, you know, the, the other, on the defensive side, there, there are less clear ones. Um, but it's, I think generally speaking, teams have, have been tilting towards offensive minded coaches. So I think you could see like Frank Reich from the Eagles. Uh, I, I would think that Ken Wisenhunt from the Chargers gets another head coaching job, but I guess it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. Taking you around the league with our friend Josh Alper, ProFootballTalk.com. Josh, since we were talking Giants, their matchup on Sunday is against Washington. No playoff implications, but could be the final game for Kirk Cousins 
in a Washington uniform. We're all guessing, but we appreciate your informed speculation. Do you think the Vikings are going to use or the Redskins are going to use the franchise tag on Kirk Cousins for the third consecutive year for over $30 million because if he hits free agency, he could decide to leave? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they're going to do that, and and I I do I I do think that ultimately uh, I I don't think he's going to use the franchise tag, but I think it's a, a 50-50 shot that he winds up leaving because I think that there were a couple of spots that looked like golden opportunities for him. One was the 49ers, and one was the Rams if Jared Goff didn't work out. Now, obviously, Goff has worked out, and Jimmy Garoppolo is you know the greatest thing to hit the NFL in in ages. So he. Uh, I think those two spots were really good ones for him. And now, and then you have to look at Denver and I don't know that I would leave a relationship with Jay Gruden who really likes cousins. And that's never been the issue to go to a situation where you might be looking at a new head coach. I don't know that Vance Joseph is, is going to make it to a second year. Um, and, and a situation where you've got an aging defense and, and you're pretty short on offensive line and, and high end offensive talent around you. Um, now I, I think there are other things that could open up and other possibilities. You know, you know the Jets, I guess the Browns. Um, but again, it's it's similar kind of both. So I, I do think that the best thing for everyone involved is for Cousins and Washington to stick together. But it does feel like Washington is more resistant to it than Cousins is. Josh, every coach when they take a new head coach position, they're trying to leave their mark on the organization. And with the the playoffs for the Buffalo Bills uh, being in flux, they need to win. They need some help. Uh, how does this the Week Six decision by head coach Sean McDormand to start Nathan Peterman over Tyrod Taylor affect how he's remembered by the organization and by the Buffalo Bill fan base? Well, you know, I, I think it's a mixed bag there because I think this has been generally a positive season for the Bills. You know that that decision was one that was just a howler because uh, obviously Peterman threw the five interceptions and, and bombed the game. If they had lost that game with Tyrod Taylor, I don't know that, that anybody would be seeing McDermott all, all that differently. I think he's done a lot of good things there. He erased a lot of the bad feelings that were around when Rex Ryan was there and he, won, you know, he's won games with a, a roster that they really tore down, you know, Sammy Watkins and, and, uh, Ronald Darby and, and all these guys that they got rid of that it, it looked like they were really punting on this season. And it's sort of a, a better version of the job to, uh, Todd Bowles did with the jets, not in terms of better coaching, but just a better record and over, you know, overwhelming the expectations. So I, I think that even if they fall short of the playoffs, as long, I mean, if it's a direct head to head with the chargers that they lose, it's going to be a big deal for a day or two. But if the Titans and Ravens win and the bills don't make it, I don't think it's going to really have much resonance because I think there's been so much to look forward to in the future for Buffalo this year. Buffalo has not made it to the postseason since 1999. Chatting with Josh Alper, ProFootballTalk.com. I mentioned Minnesota previously because I wanted to ask you about what's going on at the quarterback position there. As you know, all three quarterbacks currently on the roster are going to be free agents. If Case Keenum can win at least one playoff game for the Vikings – do you think Minnesota is going to give him a good chunk of guaranteed money in the off season? I do. I, I do. And I, I think that the, the decision is, is going to be mostly football based and uh, case kingdoms had a terrific season. And it's really like, 
the, the prototype of, of you put a guy who has the, the capability of playing in the NFL isn't going to blow anybody away, but has the capability of playing quarterback in the NFL and you put him in the right situation and, and does very well. Now, if someone comes in and, and blows him away with top of the market quarterback money, I, I think that's going to be tough for the Vikings to swallow and do. Because I, I just I, I think that's really tying yourself into a guy who may have had his you know may have just had his career season. I, I think about the Jets with Ryan Fitzpatrick a couple of years ago. Keenum's better this year than Fitzpatrick was for the Jets that year, but it, it's a kind of a similar feeling thing. Like, do we really bet on him re- repeating this output? Now, if you could figure out a way to get two of those guys back in in the same kind of money that you might be spending on one franchise guy. I think that would be the best way to go. And I think that may be possible with Teddy Bridgewater just because I, I, I can't see anybody breaking the bank for a guy who hasn't played into, you know, hasn't played as for as, as long as, as Bridgewater's played. And so two years. And so I, I think that you could figure it out, but I think it may, it, it may wind up working against them, but I, I, I just don't see them using the franchise tag and I don't see them, you know, hitting these just, you know, one of these obscene numbers that, that we're used to seeing in a market where Alex Smith is probably going to be on the move. We talked about Kirk Cousins, and, and there's some other guys that'll, that'll be around that, that uh, kind of fit the bill um, as a starting NFL quarterback if Keenum were to, you know, just hit a payday somewhere else. Josh, you know, the idea is for every team to play well during the season. So when you get to this point, of the schedule, you are well positioned for maybe the first seed or, or the second seed in that first round bye. But there are a lot of teams that are still fighting for position to get in. But for those teams who have solidified their position, what, what is your take on the pros and cons of sitting guys opposed to playing them with the playoffs on the horizon? Well, I, I think you look at a situation, a team that's playing in the wild card round, like the Rams, that, that's resting people. I, I see the the benefit in that. I see the benefit in not adding to Todd Gurley's workload right now. You're playing again in a week. They're not going to be sitting that long. I, I think I, I understand it there. I'm a little less crazy about it when, when you're talking about a team that's got to buy. And I just remember those Colts teams with, with Peyton Manning and Bill Polian that, that always seemed to get the buy and always seemed to rest people. And then they would come out and lay a stinker in the, the divisional round. Now, I, there are a lot of reasons that could happen. But I, I think that, like, with the Steelers, if they rest Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell, I, I mean, I get it. Again, long season, and, and certainly Le'Veon Bell works as much as anybody in the league. But I just, I just would see go to halftime and see what that Patriots Jets score is. I just, I remember the Broncos getting home field the last day a couple of years ago, and then beating the the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. And and I think you'd like to give yourself that shot. And and I don't think you know, I don't know that they'll lose to the Browns even if they do play Landry Jones and, and Stevan Ridley instead of uh, Roethlisberger and Bell. But I, I just, it's a long layoff. It's a lot of time off, and and that makes me a little more. I'm a little less into that idea than if you're playing in the wild card round. Josh, great information as always. Happy New Year. Look forward to chatting with you again when we get to 2018. All right. Happy New Year, guys. 
You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey guys, you're listening to Dumb People Town on TuneIn, and since we're new here, we thought we'd tell you a little bit about our show. We have dumb ears on the ground. Our fans send in stories that have happened, real stories that have happened, and along with our co-host, We Dan, try to break down that material with Dan Van Dan Kirk. Van Kirk, our co-host, breaks it down, and then us and a guest, we and a guest break it all down, and we try and make it funny for you. It is a fast hour, and you will enjoy it. It's a riff fast. Silly. You can hear episodes of our show uh, a full week early, right here on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on fantasy football. It's the Fantasy Fix with Michael Harmon from SwollenDome.com. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked off. Intercepted. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the Fantasy Fix. Let's say hello to the best in his industry. Longtime friend of the program, Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, thanks for taking the time. Let's start with some macro thoughts. What general suggestions do you have for someone whose fantasy championship is coming up this week? Because now you got to factor in all the stars who are resting. This is where you get really religious uh, and hope guys sit in for more than a series or two before they do the Queen's Wave and run away for the, for the season. But the larger thing is also to start creating your PowerPoint presentation to explain why this should never happen again <laughs> in your league without it being a two-week title. Because if it's just on week 17, best teams not win because they're probably sitting down one, three, five, or maybe their entire roster along the way. But the, the biggest thing is you're going to have to be active all the way up until kickoff of those early games. And fortunately, everything's played on one day, so you don't have to wait to a Sunday night game. You don't have to wait to a Monday night game. But you're going to have to be more active probably watching the news reports than you are at any other point during the fantasy season. Mike, Nick Ferguson here. There's a huge game taking place between the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons this weekend. Which Falcons player do you think will have a big week in the must-win game? I tell you what, this is where it's fun because you actually have two teams that that have something to play for. So you can reasonably just say, you know what, I'm setting it and forgetting it like I have all season long. So you know, I've I've been steady with Freeman and Muhammad Sanu are the two guys I look at from the Atlanta side of things. Julio Jones is in your lineup, but he's one of those boomer busts, and we've seen it for the last couple of years. The overall stats look tremendous, but then there are two or three weeks that make up the bulk of the touchdown receptions and some ridiculous yardage total. You're just hoping that this is one of those, although against that Carolina defense, you can't bank on it. On the other side, you're looking at Cam Newton, a top three play. He was ranked fifth uh, for the week in the first matchup against the Falcons, giving you 40 or more rushing yards or a touchdown in like 12 of his last 13 games, so giving you some great effort on the ground. So we'll look for him to put up some points as well as Devin Funches and having the old reliable Greg Olson back in one piece is a perfect thing for them right here in Week 17 and great for your fantasy team. It's the Fantasy Fix, Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. So, Mike, you laid it out well. Most leagues use a degree of common sense, shut it down last week, but... For folks who really want to be innovative, now we're talking psychology, and you're looking for an edge. So how about this? 
Somebody might say, okay, Seattle has a ton to play for. Effectively, they not only have to win, they need help of the Falcons losing. So Seattle's going to show up and show out, as the kids say. If that's the case in Seattle, which Seahawks players, beyond Russell Wilson, do you think could shine on Sunday? You give me a bunch of red zone looks from Jimmy Graham. He's a top five play going up against these Cardinals. You're looking at Doug Baldwin as a top ten play, perhaps, if you're in one of those leagues and you've been unfortunate to, you know, you rode with a number of players who are now in operation shutdown here in week 17 for injuries or just, well, they're done. Perhaps this is where you have to get a little bit cute at your third wide receiver position. Maybe this is where uh, a Paul Richardson finds his way into your lineup. Uh, again, it's it's a boomer bust kind of theory as, as you get to that point, but this is where things might might require some strange bedfellows along the way to get you over the top. You know, playing in the NFL is a long and, and arduous season, and, and your starting guys get banged up, forcing other guys into action. With that said, which of the replacement running backs do you feel will have a, a real big performance this week? Nick, did you did you look forward to Week 17? Maybe maybe a little bit of uh, uh, a slowdown, uh, guys that you knew you could you could really dominate and, and get some good game tape on. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys who already melded in, they were not in the playoffs, so they're just trying to get out to the offseason healthy, I'm sure. As, as best you can, right? And just get through. I, I think um, when, when we look at opportunities here, we're, we're going to look at um, Matt Breda uh, for the 49ers going up against the Rams that are the, sitting down a number of players. They haven't committed to the full defensive list of players that won't be out, out there. Corey Clement, uh, you know, you're looking at an opportunity against Dallas. Jay probably not going to play a full game for you along the way. Uh, Kansas City's ruled out Tyreek Hill. They haven't said so uh, as far as Kareem Hunt goes, but I would have to imagine you're going to see a lot of Sharkandrick West in this one. And then uh, Brandon Oliver going up against the Oakland Raiders. Uh, as much as Melvin Gordon says he wants to play, high ankle sprain means he's probably going to be limited, uh, and you've already seen Eckler bang, banged up a bunch. So Brandon Oliver, a fantasy hero in years past, perhaps he's enough out of the the flex position to give you a little bit of run. And then we go back to that Rams 49ers game, Malcolm Brown uh, getting a little bit of the roll of the dice. Again, t- tough to see some of the names come through. You're wringing your hands, but if you agreed to play in a Week 17 <laughs> league, you get what you get. Fantasy Fix, Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. So, Mike, we know fantasy can be a year-round proposition because just due to the fact that the regular season is winding down, it does not mean fantasy is over. You can play playoff fantasy. So let's talk about the strategy there. Would you target guys you think are going to have a long run in the postseason or go after somebody who could have a breakout game on wild card weekend, but that's it because they get eliminated? Yeah, I think I'm looking for the the long haul where I'm going to be a stat aggregator. So even though I lose Le'Veon Bell for this week, uh, I'm banking on the Steelers and their balance to give me a run to get back to a championship game uh, against the the Patriots, which means you know I'm looking at Gronkowski. I'm looking at Deion Lewis with the way he's been used by the Patriots the last few weeks. But definitely looking for the the long haul. For the NFC, this is where you've got to really put your your thinking cap on and, and 
decide how much you want in on Kamara and Ingram and, and looking at balance. And I, I think a lot of folks placing a big bet on Cam Newton uh, for the, the Panthers to go on a big run here, uh, potentially finding their way all the way up to the number two seed when it's all said and done. So uh, I think I'm looking for the long haul as opposed to that big one-hit wonder that flames out. Mike, for those individuals playing fantasy who love to uh, put certain wagers on games because they just have that gambling spirit, uh, what is your general method for deciding who to keep in dynasty leagues based on their value and what they cost you? Yeah, as we we break down dynasty, I I think you're you're looking at your lockstep quarterbacks – that you have the the rock steady year in year out results. Although you know this year a bit of an outlier because we don't have one of those fifty touchdown performers or a bunch of guys running into the forties. But certainly I think for this coming year we'll have a, a premium put back on the bell cow running backs more so than we have in years past, where you're going to have to add extra dollars to a Mark Ingram or looking at Kamara as mentioned before, Devontae Freeman even with a little bit of injury history, Ezekiel. Elliott, less of a workload uh, this year based on the suspension, so the the opportunity to come back in, in full force. I think where the where you're looking at it is your your 140 target or more receivers and, and your running backs, and then the quarterbacks will play out based on on like. But with the number of injuries to those top performers, you might be able to get them on the cheap for 2018. Mike, great information as always. Happy New Year, my friend. I was having flashbacks. This felt a lot like. And uh, we'll we'll celebrate uh, the end of a fantastic run and start getting the rankings set for 2018. Well, before we do that, I was taking you back. This felt a lot like 2007 when I was teeing you up on fantasy NASCAR. I was just sitting here asking you obscure questions, and you rambled prodigiously on a big word Friday. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, NASCAR. Those were our, some of our favorites. Whenever I could work a Boris set in on a road course or, or Robbie Gordon and we oh. start going into all those kind of data points, I mean, that's as good as it gets. Hey, you know the playoffs are coming up for football when you see the Daytona 500 promos on Fox. And don't oh, yeah. talk to me about what's coming up at the Great American Race. Happy New Year, Michael. We'll chat with you soon. <laughs> Peace and love, guys. Thanks, Nick. See you later. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Gold, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game with live home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown. Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Oh. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Nick and I tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on the field on Sunday. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure.
Nick, I'm not great with math, but let me do some basic arithmetic. We have 16 games coming up. Everyone's playing on Sunday. We have eight minutes left, so 30 seconds per game should work just fine. We start with the seven early games. Nothing's on the line when Green Bay is on the road in Detroit. Perhaps the last game with Jim Caldwell on the sideline. I'll take the Lions at home. How about you? I will agree with you. I know that often doesn't happen, but looking at the fact of Jim Caldwell's future being in flux and the fact that the Detroit Lions wants to hit the offseason on a positive note and the fact that no Aaron Rodgers for Green Bay, so Detroit wins. Houston's on the road in Indy. We discussed the lack of job security for both head coaches, but I think the Colts are going to send Chuck Pagano out a winner. Colts win, in my view. How about you? I love me some T.Y. Hilton and some Jacoby Brissett. To me, that connection has developed since uh, Brissett has reached the Colts locker room. And, you know, once again, there's a lot of turmoil and, you know, a lot of things going on with the Houston Texans organization. Will Bill O'Brien stay on as head coach? Will he go? To me, right now, you want to send your coach out in the best way, and that's to go out there and produce. The Colts win. Okay, we're being too loquacious on a big word Friday. Got to pick up the tempo. A Minnesota victory over hapless Chicago means the Vikes are the two-seed first-round bye. Minnesota wins, correct? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. They want to go into the playoffs on on a positive note. Case Keenum didn't perform well last week. The Chicago Bears help the Minnesota Vikings get back on track on both offensive and defensive side of the ball. Good news for Todd Bowles and his GM, Mike McCagnan. They got contract extensions. Unfortunately, they're going to lose to the Patriots. How the Patriots winning to wrap up home field advantage throughout the AFC? How do you see it? Yeah, that is the bad news for both Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan. You have to play the Patriots. They do still have something to play for. Tom Brady definitely hasn't performed well in the last couple of games, throwing several interceptions. He want to make sure he gets back on track in the right time, and the Jets are going to prove the team to help him do it. Looking for short answers until we get to the more meaningful games. Washington's going to beat the Giants to wrap up the year 8-8. Eight and eight. That's my view. How do you see it in 15 seconds? Kirk Cousin wants to go into the offseason and get that huge payday. What better way to do it against a division rival with the New York Giants? Meaningless game for both the Cowboys and Eagles. I think Dallas is going to lose, and we're looking at wholesale changes on the coaching staff. Everybody but Jason Garrett could be in trouble. How do you see it? Even though Doug Penderson, the head coach of the Eagles, said the starters will play, they will not play that long. This is a game that Dallas really needs. Ezekiel Elliott comes on strong. All right, so you have Dallas winning. I have Dallas losing. Dallas, in my view, goes to 8-8. Eight eight. Cleveland, unfortunately, is going to lose again. They're going to go to 0-16 because last year in the regular season finale, they lost to the Steelers. Back up, same thing's going to happen. What do you think? Are you going to be an optimist? Is Cleveland going to win a football game for the first time this year? Absolutely. I'm going to go all in on the Browns. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to play their starters. What better way and what better game to win is this game Cleveland Browns win their first game of the season. Okay, less than five minutes to go. Now to the nine late games that matter. One of them, though, has far less meaning because the Rams are going to rest their starters. I think they don't mind dropping down to the four seed to wind up in Philadelphia in a couple weeks. I have the Niners winning, making five consecutive victories for Jimmy G. Absolutely. Jimmy G has the people in Santa Clarita and California, Santa Clara, that is, Thinking possibly Super Bowl in 2018. San Francisco 49ers win. Four minutes to go. Got to be concise. Buffalo looking to enhance their wild card probability. That starts with a victory on the road to Miami. I got the Bills winning. How about you? Absolutely. With so much turmoil surrounding Tyrod Taylor, he gets it done in Miami. But bad news for Buffalo because I have the Chargers defeating the Raiders. How about you? I have the Chargers defeating the Raiders, Keenan Allen, and too much Phillip Rivers. Okay. Arizona on the road at Seattle. 
Seattle needs a win plus a Falcon loss to be the wild card. Let's take the first component initially. I have Seattle winning this game. How about you? Absolutely. Bruce Aaron said earlier this week that that is a home field for them. Pete Carroll and Seattle Seahawks are going to change that narrative. Okay, New Orleans on the road to Tampa Bay. Saints victory means they clinch the division. And if the Rams lose, New Orleans the three seed. I think it's all going to come together. New Orleans is going to win on the road to Tampa Bay, right? So much following this game and so much is on the line for the New Orleans Saints. They get it done against the woeful Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have three minutes left. We can exhale and now dig deeper into games that have a lot of matter, a lot on the line, the game is truly matter. Cincinnati, and what's going to be Marvin Lewis's last game on the sideline on the road in Baltimore. Win and you're in is the scenario for the Ravens. They're going to lock up the first wild card, right? I got Baltimore winning at home. I got Baltimore winning as well. Joe Flacco has been great in the past month and a half, and the defense playing lights out. So long, Marvin Lewis. Carolina at Atlanta. Atlanta can lose this game and still be the wild card should Seattle lose. But I have Seattle winning, and I have the Panthers winning, so I have Atlanta missing out in the postseason. How about you? How wild is that, playing the Super Bowl and you miss out on getting into the playoffs? I have it the same way that you you have it. Carolina wins the big game, and Cam Newton destroys that defense for the Atlanta Falcons. So we have the Panthers and the Seahawks as our wild cards in the NFC meaningless game in terms of record and playoff implications but a lot on the line individually for the franchises Kansas City is going to have the NFL debut of Patrick Mahomes under center. Feels like Vance Joseph could use one more victory to feel good about keeping that job. I'm going to take Denver at home. How about you as a former Bronco? Yeah, a rookie quarterback playing against the no-fly zone. That's not going to pass. Vance Joseph gets that all-important win for the offseason. Broncos win. Okay, and we've arrived at the final game on the schedule. And let me lay out these scenarios. Jacksonville's locked into being the three-seed. However, They had a lousy performance on the road in the San Francisco Bay Area. Blake Bortles, three interceptions. So, as you think about what's going on in Jacksonville, they are saying all the right things about playing their starters to try to get some intensity heading into the playoffs. Tennessee can be the wild card if they win this game or if the Bills and Chargers both lose. We both think Buffalo and the LA Chargers are winning. So let's just get down to the bottom line. Is Tennessee winning this game to wrap up a wild card? I say no. I have them losing at home to Jacksonville. Absolutely. DeMarco Murray is questionable for this game after spreading his MCL last week, and he was linchpin for this offense, giving them balance. They don't get it done because Jacksonville knows that they need to recruit from the loss to San Francisco last week. And Tom Coughlin, you know he's been talking to the both sides of the ball. They need to go out there and they need to play well. Jacksonville wins. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. 
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We're back on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on Black Monday. Which coaches will be looking for a job when the regular season is over? We'll start in Chicago. We knew there was a lot of pressure on John Fox coming into the season. Bears only won three games last year, five victories this year. When you look at the building block of Mitchell Trubisky, and we know the Bears have been looking for a franchise quarterback dating back to Jim McMahon doing the Super Bowl shuffle in 1985. Considering the rest of the talent on that roster, you can run it with Jordan Howard. Defense got a little bit better. And the context of the division, how attractive is the Bears opening when that vacancy presents itself? For any coach looking for their first head coaching job or maybe uh, the second uh, opportunity to coach in the NFL, when you look within a division, you say, well, you look where Minnesota is, uh, you look at the Green Bay Packers, and you look at the Detroit Lions, and you first assess the guys and the teams in your division, then you look at your roster, and you say, well, this job definitely is a job that any coach would love to have, and here's why. You just talked about the fact of having Mitchell Trubisky, and I mean, even though he had his moments where he didn't look great, but he did show some flashes. So every coach wants to at least have some kind of stability at the quarterback position, knowing as though if you have a deal in place for four to five years, you have a basic building block. And and like it said in the NFL, you know, it's a passing league. So you need someone under center who can make plays for you from the pocket and he can make those off-schedule plays with his mobility and Mitchell Trubisky definitely gives you that. The only problem is here that I see B-Webb is, you know, what do you do with Mike Glennon? I mean, uh, this is where in the offseason and before the draft, I felt that this Chicago Bears team, you know, missed the mark and this is one of the reasons why John Fox is going to be fired because you went out and you picked up Mike Glennon who really had done too much in his career and then you go out and then you also draft Mitchell Trubisky, who's supposed to be the face of the franchise. So to me, that that's one of the reasons that John Fox is seeing himself pushed out of the door. But when you look at Jordan Howard and what he's been able to do and Tariq Cohen, even though they haven't really involved him that much in the offense, he is another explosive you know, runner and he can help you on special teams and just that compliment to Jordan Howard. So if you're a head coach or you're a guy out there looking for a head coaching opportunity, th- this is a job that definitely seems like, hey, listen, well, I want to go in and I want to go and be a part of what the Chicago Bears are trying to do and, you know, trying to bring Mitchell Trubisky along. Don't want to sound callous talking about anyone's professional future, especially because as a veteran of sports media, I've been fired 17 times. That's how it works. You know that you're not going to have a long run in most companies, and you're open-minded about that. And to use the old adage from Godfather 2, this is the business we have chosen. So John (laughs) Fox is a veteran, but having now been the head coach in Carolina, Denver, and Chicago, to me, this is the end of the run for him as a head coach. I don't see him getting another coaching opportunity as the head coach, highly respected as a defensive coordinator, what do you think the future looks like for John Fox individually? Well, for, for you know, John Fox having a resume that you just so, so eloquently laid out, I mean, obviously the head coaching positions are not going to be there because now if you are vice president of operation or you're a GM, you're looking at the relationship that your head coach could possibly have with the younger players and the veterans on your team. And it seems as though, like you said, you laid out, you know, John Fox has had his run. He's been with a couple of teams. He has success in Carolina. He has success 
in Denver for a while. And we thought, well, maybe he would be able to duplicate that same level of success in Chicago. That just didn't happen uh, for him. So if he if he were to get back into the NFL, obviously the head coaching position isn't there for him. Maybe he can be uh, an assistant or uh, you know something of that caliber. Or consult- work in the front office, right? Or, or, because John has a lot of great relationships around the league. We know that to be true. Yeah, very much so. But a lot of the coaches who are seem to have burnt out and not really, uh, you know, got teams to the playoffs the way they needed to in previous years, they become consultants. So now you sit on in the front office and you just kind of have a bird's eye view of everything. And for some, a lot of those guys, that works best for them. You know, now they don't have to worry about the daily grind and, you know, working with the personnel and and dealing with those egos in the locker room and wins and losses. It's now talent evaluation. How can we help the team get better from that standpoint? Look at, you know, Tom Coughlin, what he's doing in Jacksonville. So this is the type of role that maybe, you know, guys like, you know, Jeff Fisher and John Fox, who we're talking about now, maybe those guys are best suited for those type of roles. Let's stay within that division and move to Detroit. First, because Cordell and I were talking about it at length yesterday, want your opinion. How much job security do you think Jim Caldwell has knowing the Lions cannot make the playoffs? We were working together on Sunday at first and goal. That was a sluggish performance on the road in Cincinnati, a team the Lions should have defeated in the Bengals. Plus, as Ian Rappaport of NFL Network shared on this show and was the first to break the story. When we heard in September, Jim Caldwell got the contract extension. Well, now we know the particulars. Only one year was fully guaranteed. That's for next year. So do you think Caldwell's getting good news or bad news after the regular season finale? Well, I mean, you talk about the game that they should have won against the Cincinnati Bengals. It's just like, well, how can you go in and not be prepared for that game? And obviously you look at the outcome and you want to blame Jim Caldwell, but also blame the players as well. You knew what was at stake. You didn't go out and you didn't show up. And when you look at Jim Caldwell's uh, position, you're talking about you got a great quarterback in Stafford, but you don't have a you know run game. And how much is, is that – on the head coach because one thing I do know the head coach and the general manager both have to be on the same page they both have to have the same uh, agenda but it just seems like in this case maybe the front office didn't really see eye to eye with, with coach Caldwell and for me because you could not run the ball that well when you needed to run that's not really his fault so with that being said, I think he has an opportunity to survive. He gets another year to try to revamp this team and maybe go into 2018, go out, show up their offensive line, find a running back of maybe one or two, maybe in the later rounds, that can really give them that one-two punch and that balance that they haven't had since Reggie Bush was a member of the Detroit Lions. So it's going to be, for me, I never like these situations of B-Webb. You know, it when the head coach is higher than fire based on wins and losses, and the front office is not giving you adequate players to fit your system to do what you want to do, and then they try to oust you because the win-loss column is not, you know, panning out. To me, that's very difficult, but I think Jim Caldwell survives. Okay, you're aware, I know, that there's a little bit of a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff because Bob Quinn, the GM for the Lions, came over from the Patriots, did not hire Jim Caldwell, The truism is any GM wants, quote-unquote, his guy to be the head coach. So that's one more factor. And if we're talking Lions football, you know because I have a firm control over trivia what's coming up. Lions haven't won a championship since 1957. Haven't won a playoff game since 1991. Haven't won the division since 1993. 
Nick, whether it's fair or not, I think change is coming in Detroit. I think Jim Caldwell will be out when we're working together on Monday. Once again, that baffles me. It doesn't make sense. And I know every GM, just like every coach, they want to bring in their own guy. So if you're Quinn and you are Patriots guy, so will he try to get Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator for the Patriots, or Josh McDaniels? So to me, Jim Caldwell is familiar with the division, familiar with that personnel. Give it one more year, just like you just laid out, you know, the playoff history of the D- Detroit Lions. To me, what, what's one more year, you know, in that lineage? Which one <laughs> we'll more sell year? that to Lion fans, yeah. Nick. They've been waiting for a long time. Yeah, okay, so you're waiting that long, right? And you say, well, we've had marginal success with, you know, Caldwell at the helm. So now we're going to fire him, bring in another head coach, give – uh, Matthew Stafford, another offensive coordinator to to deal with another system to learn. But guess what? We haven't really fixed the problems that have been plaguing us for so long. And that's a lack of running game. It's kind of funny because, and, and ironic, because when they had, back in the day, uh, they, they had a great running back uh, and they didn't have anything else. Well, that right. was Barry Sanders, yes. of course, and he walked away because he got tired of the losing. Right. So so you have a great running back in Barry Sanders, but you have nothing else. Now you have a great quarterback and you don't have a running game. At some point, you have to start blaming the front office and say, well, you have to put the pieces in place. Look at what other teams are doing within uh, your division. Look, look at the fact of what Minnesota Vikings are doing with the backup quarterback in Case Keenum. You have to be able to do those type of things. And the only way you're able to do that, B-Web, is having adequate depth on your roster. Even maybe 1A and 1B, maybe at the quarterback position, wide receiver, and even the running back position. But the Detroit Lions have not done that. So can we put all shift all the blame on Caldwell and not on Quinn himself? No, it's a fair conversation, and I think we're going to return to it on Monday. We'll be talking, I think, on Monday about groomers. Gruden plus rumors equals groomers. Let's hit pause on that for today, but I think we both agree. Dirk Cutter has zero job security heading into the regular season finale. Tampa Bay, one of the biggest disappointments in all of football. Last year, they won nine games. All the hype surrounding hard knocks. And think about the rest of that division. Could have all three teams from the NFC South going to the postseason. Bad news for Dirk Cutter. Don't know what Bruce Arians wants to do. I don't think he's going to be pushed out, but a year ago, all the speculation, he might step down. Same kind of innuendo this year. Let's jump over to the AFC. We've already been talking about the notion. Foregone conclusion, Chuck Pagano will no longer be the head coach of the Colts. Andrew Luck addressing the media. We heard about what his outlook is heading into the new year earlier in the program. Let me dig deeper into the AFC South. How do you view Houston? Last year, when we were working together week 17, first and goal on TuneIn Premium, there were reports Bill O'Brien might step away. Bill O'Brien might try to force himself into free agency because of a perceived rift between him and GM Rick Smith. Now, Nick, there are reports Houston might want to move on from Bill O'Brien because they finally have found the franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and they're not certain O'Brien is the right head coach. Well, you know, th- that, that is shocking within itself because, once again, I just mentioned when we're talking about Detroit, the fact that the head coach and the GM have to be on the same page. 
when Brock Osweiler was signed, you know, Bill O'Brien wasn't really brought into that conversation. Brock wasn't his guy. So now he had to, you know, spend that entire season with Brock add, as his quarterback and, you know, be subdued to that, that level of failure. Then now, you know, fast forward to 2017, hey, listen, a gym drops into your lap, Clemson's Deshaun Watson, he plays well, he gets injured, and then now it's, oh, now – the moment we get a starting quarterback, someone that I can truly work with and nurture, you know, and build as a, like a Tom Brady, if you will, just a mobile Tom Brady, now there's whispers that you're going to fire me. This is one of those problems, once again, that I have in the NFL. You know, you, you, you finally get your opportunity to get the guy you want, and now you're being marched off into a coaching abyss, if you will. Uh Obviously, when you look at what Bill O'Brien was able to do as a head coach, 31-29, he's 4-11 this season. Doesn't look that great, but you have to factor in Deshaun Watson was injured, and he got injured, rather. If he was still healthy at this point, would we be talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars? Would we even be talking about the Tennessee Titans as far Mm -hmm. as fighting for a wild-card spot? No. So, to me – you, you got to give Bill at least another year. Let's see what Bill can do a full 16-game season with Deshaun, a healthy Deshaun Watson on the, at the helm. And you got to also think, you know, the Texans have, you know, undergone a lot of injuries. And, and how well can you be when a lot of those big injuries have come on the defensive side of the ball to J.J. Watson uh, when merciless? Right. So, so that takes a lot, a lot of win out of yourselves as a, a defense. And puts a lot of pressure on your offense. You lose Watson. Tom Savage is your quarterback. We know what he is or what he isn't, rather. Then T.J. Yates has to come in and try to salvage the season. Can't really do it. So, to me, this is another situation where, you know, key losses at, you know, great positions from a, a position standpoint and level of production and just put Bill O'Brien in a tough situation. So, to me, if you Brick Smith – yeah, you, you keep him on, you know, a, a short leash, but give him another season to see what he can do with healthy guys on both sides of the ball. As we wrap it up, Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, reporting 50-50. If Jack Del Rio keeps his job, even though he got the quote-unquote contract extension last year, don't know how many guaranteed years he received. It appears Vance Joseph will be safe, but just to make sure – That is a full guarantee of coming back. Wouldn't hurt to beat Kansas City, led by Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. We know that it's going to be made official, according to reports. Marvin Lewis is going to step down. And then looking ahead, what does the future hold for Hugh Jackson? Will the Browns lose again Sunday to the Steelers' backups to fall to 0-16? Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.